Okay, if you have a Bible, uh, I'd love for you to open it up with me this morning to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Uh, if you have one of our Bibles from the table or the bookshelf back there, it's on page 1001. Romans chapter 6. Uh, today, again, is a, a very special day in the history of our church. We, we began, our first Sunday was October 20th of 2019, uh, and, and then the Lord has taken us through a pandemic and all kinds of things together, uh, 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 deaths in our church family, and, and, and so much more. And this morning, we get to celebrate uh, death that has been given life. People who have died in Christ and are raised to walk in newness of life with him. We are baptizing five people today, and these are the first ones that we uh, are, ha- have done here at this church. And Lord willing, they'll be the first of many baptisms here as we continue to pursue our mission of bringing glory to Jesus Christ by helping each other connect the realities of the gospel with the realities of our lives. This morning, you're going to hear five testimonies of, of the very real ways that the gospel actually affects our lives and the things that we go through. You're going to hear that from those that are being baptized. But before we hear their words, I want, to, want us to hear God's word this morning. I don't want to ever just uh, take for granted the fact that we get to open up the Lord's word to us and, and this morning see what it says uh, about baptism. So I want to read Romans 6, 1 through 14, and then briefly share Uh, uh, one thing that baptism is not, and then five things that baptism is, okay? And then we'll get to the testimonies and, uh, and the baptisms themselves. Here's what Romans 6, 1 through 14 says. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing to the Roman church, the Christians in, in Rome. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection." For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. That's huge. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let, your, let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Okay. One thing that baptism is not. Baptism is not salvation. Christ is salvation. 
Christ is salvation. Christ was crucified to free sinners from slavery to sin and to purchase our forgiveness, as we're told here in verses 6 and 7. Jesus rose from the dead, and he will not die again. That's a huge statement to make. He rose from the dead, the first one to rise and never die again. We'll get to, we're going through John's gospel, and we'll get to start that back up. Starting in chapter 6 next week, we get to chapter 11, and Jesus raises Lazarus. Guess what happens to Lazarus later? He dies. How'd you like to die twice? But it doesn't matter, because Jesus has died, and he rose, and he will not die again, right? So, death no longer rules over him, and because that's the case, then death will no longer rule over anyone who trusts in him. If baptism could save us from our sin, then we would have no need for Jesus' perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection. We could simply get in the tub, we could dunk ourselves or have someone dunk us, and we could wash away our sins without him. But we've sang this song before, right? What can wash away my sins? Answer, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only Christ's perfect life can satisfy God's righteous demand for perfection. Only Christ has lived and never sinned. Only Christ's sacrificial death can remove God's righteous wrath against rebellious sinners. That's everyone else. That's all of us. Only Christ's victorious resurrection can secure eternal life for all who put their trust in him. You see, it's only through Jesus that the guilty can be called righteous. It's only through Jesus that the dead are made alive. Baptism is not salvation. Christ is salvation. We have to make that clear. So what is baptism then? If it's not salvation, what is it? Five things real quick. Baptism is a new covenant sign of identification identification. Through his sacrifice as our substitute, Jesus established a new covenant between God and his people and guaranteed it through his blood. In that new covenant and through Christ's finished work, God has forgiven us of all of our sin. He has removed our hard, rebellious hearts and replaced them with hearts uh, that are new and soft and hearts that desire him and his ways instead of ourselves in our own ways. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to live in us, to unite us to Christ and to help us to do what pleases him. Baptism is a public way of saying, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I no longer live for myself. I live for him. We, to- we-, we read that in 2 Corinthians 5 this morning because he has given me a new identity. There's a reason we're called Christians, right? We identify with Christ. Verse 5 says that everyone who depends on Jesus through faith is united with him in the likeness of his death and his resurrection. We become one with Christ, and because of that, we consider ourselves then dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what verse 11 says. That's not just something that we consider internally. So baptism is also a proclamation. It's an uh, 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 identification, but it's also a proclamation. Baptism is a public declaration that you are not continuing in sin, but instead you are offering your whole self to God in joyful obedience to him, that you are no longer ruled by sin because you are ruled by Jesus Christ. It's not a proclamation that you are sinless. We need to hear that, right? No one going into the water this morning 
is saying, I, I'm no longer sinning. But instead, it's a proclamation that the sin that remains has less and less power over you because Christ has already paid the punishment for it, for all of our sin, past, present, and future. And it's a proclamation that you're growing in greater and greater dependence upon him and confidence in him. I will say those two words until the Lord himself takes me out of this church. We grow in dependence upon Christ and we grow in confidence in him, in him alone. But it's not that, uh, it's, that's not a proclamation that you make alone. And so baptism is also an affirmation. Notice how much Paul speaks about new life in Christ here in the plural sense. Just skim back through it with me. All of us who were baptized into Christ, we were buried with him. So we too may walk in newness of life. We have been united with him. Our old self was crucified with him. If we died with Christ, then we believe that we will also live with him. As those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God. Even in verse 14, when it says sin will not rule over you, that you there is plural. There's a corporate response here. Your relationship with Jesus must be personal, but it cannot be private. You don't just become one with Christ through salvation. You also become one with his body. And his body is made up of all of those who have been saved by grace through faith in him. These baptisms are taking place in the church this morning because as your church family, for those of you that are getting baptized, as your church family, we are affirming that we see the fruit of the salvation in your lives. You are personally proclaiming your faith in Christ and we are corporately agreeing to that proclamation of faith that you are making as those who share in that faith together with you. And because we share in the grace of Christ together, baptism is also a celebration, okay? This is important. It is not just a mundane ritual. It's a joyful declaration of life change. It's an outward display of an inward transformation of the heart. Listen, how can we read Paul's words here and not celebrate the glorious realities that he is speaking of. Christ has died and he's risen and he will never die again. That's amazing, right? How can we not rejoice at the truth that because death no longer rules over Jesus, it no longer rules over those of us who are united with him? How can we not shout with gladness that Jesus has freed us from slavery to sin and reconciled us to God by his grace? Baptism is the display of these incredible gospel realities. These brothers and sisters in Christ are getting baptized today as a, visu a visual representation of these glorious truths that Paul, that Paul speaks of. These aren't just words on a page. These are realities of our lives, right? And so as we raise each of them up out of the water, this is not a time for head nods and golf claps, okay? This is a time to make some worshipful noise, we sing loudly as we play music to, to the Lord together. We shout loudly as we celebrate what God has done. So feel free this Sunday to shout, to clap, to whistle, to hoot, to holler. You can do that any Sunday, but if you get out of control, we'll have to make you tone it down a little bit, okay? We still want order because we are celebrating 
We're celebrating what God has done. This is not a trite thing. We don't take this lightly. This is new life in Christ. Dead being raised to never die again. We'll talk about in chapter John chapter 11, Jesus says, even if you die, if you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. And that is the, the thing that we celebrate. Um, but maybe today you have yet to experience this triumphant work of Christ for yourself. Maybe you have yet to trust Jesus with your life. In that case, then baptism is the, the last thing. It's contemplation. It's contemplation for you. As you hear the truths of God's word and these testimonies of these people, I want to invite you then this morning to consider your own need for the grace that God so richly and fully provides for us in Jesus Christ. Consider God's great merciful love that he would send his one and only son to die in the place of rebellious sinners who wanted nothing to do with him. Consider Christ's great and merciful love that he would willingly lay down his life, his own life, for those who deserve death. Every one of us in here has the same great need for that grace that God has so richly and freely provided in Jesus Christ. So why not then join us this morning in confessing your own need for him? Why not join us and, and turning from your sin. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. And trusting in him, why not give your life to Jesus in faith? And so with that, I want to invite uh, our, the people that are being baptized to come on up. And, uh, and we're going to go through. We're, here's how we're going to do it, okay? If you know anything about me, you know I'm function over fashion. And um, we're not performing here, and so we're going to give instructions. We're going we're gonna to do our best to make this work together. Um, and so if you guys want to come on up, uh, Chris, you can, you'll, you'll be going first. But there, we're going to do all five baptisms. Or, see? We're going to do all five testimonies first, and then uh, we will put them in a tub one at a time and, and dunk them. And so all of the cheering, um, listen, if, you, if you're celebrating what they're re rejoicing in in their testimony, you can clap now. And then again when they're baptized, okay? Uh, yeah, yes! Before we even get the testimonies going, I love it. All right. I want to stop talking. This is Chris Flavin. And let's see if this works. All right. my life. I've had four abortions, and I debated so long and hard about whether to share my testimony with you, um, but to just gloss over it and say I was a sinner, and now I've been saved, it takes away from the magnitude of what he did for me at the cross, and he paid too high of a price for me to just say I was a sinner. Um, when I told Eric my testimony, he very quietly said, Chris, do you realize the first person that Jesus revealed himself to outside of the 12 disciples was a woman at the well with five husbands. And that's what he did for me. The woman with four abortions, he revealed himself to me. And Isaiah 43, 1 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have, I have, no, I know this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He never said to me, you're too dirty. You've been doing this for too long. I can't save you. 
And this summer, I went through biblical counseling. And at one point, my counselor said, Chris, what does it mean to be saved? And I said, quickly, relief. And she just looked at me. And I said, my whole life, I've lived life on my own terms. I've done what I wanted when I wanted with no thought, no regard to anyone else. But, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought again. Um, but now when decisions come against me, I hold it up to the word of God because anything outside of the word of God is a lie. So I hold all my decisions up to that. And that's how I make my decision. And it's so such a relief that now the decisions are in God's hand. They're not mine. I don't have to make those decisions anymore. Hello. And this, this summer, I don't mind him. This summer, um, the Lord put so heavily on my heart to go before my three daughters and their husbands and tell my entire testimony. So this morning, my beautiful daughter, Julie, and her amazing husband and family are here. And Julie will be baptizing me. Yes. You should clap for that. Uh, I did also forget to say this morning, typically first and third Sundays are Redeemer kids, but there is a very purposeful reason why our kids are in here. And, and if you know anything about us, um, we encourage kids to be kids, and so this is, this is no big deal, okay? I don't want you to be uncomfortable because I'm not uncomfortable, really, truly. Uh, because our kids need to hear the same truths that we need to hear. And sometimes, sometimes our kids teach us those truths better than we can teach them. This is joy. This is joy. Rick, come on up. Can everybody hear me? Good morning, church. My name is Rick Park. I'm a new member of Redeemer. It is only by God's great mercy that I am able to stand before you today and speak of the goodness of our God and be baptized. In my early teens, I chose a path in life of disobedience and rebellion that led to a life of sin and many addictions that had me bound and out of the presence of God for over 40 years. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, never let me go. On November 26, 2020, my heart was pierced with the truth of all my sinful ways and that I had fallen short of the glory of God. And without Jesus, I would die and be separated from God forever. I repented of my sins and cried out to Jesus and him being faithful and true came into my life that day and broke those chains, changing my life forever, changing my heart, giving me the desire to live for him, the hunger for his word, the compassion for others, that I might speak of the personal relationship with heaven's king that I have today. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I believe God guided me to Redeemer to grow with this church family, Christ has blessed me with a wife and family that loves and supports me, a church family to grow in the faith with, and a pastor to lead us in God's precious word. Jesus saved me that day, so I will live for him and tell of his goodness until the Lord takes me home. 
My plea for all of us is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. Thank you. Amen, brother. Come on up, Tisha. Uh, you may or may not know, but um, all of these people, except for the one in the orange, are from the same family. Rick and Chris are brother and sister. This is Rick's wife, Teresa, and this is their granddaughter, Kristen, and that's my son, Charlie. We get, <laughs> listen, look at what God is doing in families. This is why kids are important to us. This is why it's a generational thing. Jesus is for every person, okay? As I sat and reflected on my life, I knew I needed to ask God to forgive my sins and come into my life. Like Matthew 7, 8 says, For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. I have endured a lot of pain growing up, unsure of who my real dad was, asking questions but getting no answers. It made me a cold person with hate in my heart. I was doing things just for spite, and I wasn't caring. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I lost loved ones, one right after another. First, my stepdad, then my mother, then my dad. How can one person endure so much pain and loss? How can I move on from this? How will my life ever be the same again? Isaiah 41:13 says, For I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. God has helped me. By giving his son. You're doing great. By giving his son Jesus to die in my place on the cross and forgive me for my sin. God has changed my life because I am able now to forgive. My heart aches for the ones who are not saved. He has matured me in his word. All my faith and trust is in Christ. 
Today I'm getting baptized because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is Kristen. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen. Today I declare to the church, to my family, and to the world that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. One of my favorite verses I found in the Bible is John 12, 44, which states, The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. My life before Christ felt like I was just living and moving through the days. In 2017, my relationship with my father was broken and painful. Following that, I experienced a lot of loss from loved ones passing away. I was in a very dark place and was not myself. I would look in the mirror and not recognize myself. I was to the point where I didn't care. I was shown my own sins and realized I was a sinner and that I needed to ask Christ for forgiveness and to come into my own heart. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even though you have sinned against a holy God, you can be justified by the grace of God. It's a gift made possible through Christ. On October 18th, 2020, I stepped into this church and my life changed forever. A year and two months later, on December 5th, 2021, I knew this and that God was what I needed. I knew for a fact that he had been what I was missing in my life. I knew that he was what I needed. From that day... I told myself that no matter what, I would keep pushing myself to learn more about him, to faithfully come to church every week, and to make sure to spread his greatness. On May 29th, 2022, I became a member of this church. God has shown me so much over these last two years. He has shown me how I should be treated, to keep moving when I feel like I can't, and most importantly, that he is in control. Psalm 73:26 states, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. God already knows what's in store for me, and I'm just here for the ride. It is because of him that I am now in speaking terms with my dad, starting to restore my relationship. God knew I needed time to heal and to find myself again. God knew this when I didn't. I've learned so much these past two years, but one of the biggest things he keeps showing me is that he knows what I need before I do. Can we say amen to that? <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we were reading in Isaiah 37, and my papa looked at me and said, he is the vine and we are the branches. And I've got to say, I've never been more proud to call myself a branch because I know I'm stemming from God. I would like to end with a prayer. I would like to pray that God continues to bless this church and everyone in it. I pray that he continues to guide me throughout this journey, continues to show me his presence, and that he opens up more and more hearts who have not yet proclaimed him as their Lord and Savior. In God Almighty name, amen. Before I had Christ in my life, I was full of sin, more specifically anger. I struggled with being slow to anger with my family and friends. I would get angry really fast, usually with my sister. I also struggled with not wanting to confess my sin and ask for forgiveness. 
I would not want to confess either because I was nervous at that the person I was confessing to would be mad at me or mostly because I didn't feel like I needed to. My parents helped me to realize that what God's what God's word says about anger. James 1, 19-21 says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all of of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly believe the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Although I grew up in a Christian home, I've been going to church and have been going to church since I was a baby. I still had no idea what it meant to be one with Christ. I didn't understand why or how to dedicate my life to him. My heart was led toward Christ during the coronavirus pandemic. I, sp- I was scared because we had lost some loved ones during the pandemic. I turned to God and prayed that we would be protected and that everybody else would as well. I prayed for comfort to those who lost family and friends. Then I started to understand that there is a different kind of death that's even more dangerous, spiritual death. I also started to understand that all of the books of the Bible lead up to Christ dying for my sins, my wrongdoings, my flaws, my failures, my faults. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked According to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as all others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in, in the coming ages, we might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so you, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of, us, ahead of time for us to do. Although sometimes I still struggle with my anger and not wanting to confess, I realize that it is okay for God to be angry because it is a different kind of anger. God can be angry because it's good and holy. God is angry at Adam and Eve when sin entered the world. He was angry at Cain for killing his brother Abel. The point is, we are all sinners who deserve to be punished by the good and holy anger of God. 
But that is not what he wanted for us. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. All you have to do to be one with Christ is believe that God, that Jesus sent his Son to die for your sins so that you so that you don't have to be punished by the good and holy anger of God. Instead, you can receive his forgiveness and his everlasting love. And you will not perish, but have eternal life in and with Christ. That is why I'm getting baptized today, because Jesus was, has washed away my sins, and I get the privilege to be one with him. I know he's the pastor's kid, but those are his words. Those are his words. All right. Are you guys ready to get dunked? We're ready to do some dunking, I think. Okay. Chris is going to come up. They're going to take this off. Her daughter, Julie, is going to baptize her. Um, one of the things in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, says... Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he says, one of the best lines ever, and I am with you. I am with you for all eternity. Um, listen, what a beautiful picture you're about to see of disciples of Jesus and not just pastors and elders in the church, uh, disciples of Jesus obeying this command to disciple one another and to baptize uh, in, in that disciple-making relationship. And so I'm going to invite you to get into the tub. It's going to be the warmest for you. All the way down. And then I have... Three questions that I'm going to ask each each uh, person that's getting baptized. Uh, just the, and and these are affirmations again that they are making uh, as a testimony to their new life in Christ. Chris, do you repent of any known sin and renounce any unknown sin, promising that by God's grace you will continue in a life of repentance and faith toward God? Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? and the fulfillment of all of God's promises to you, including eternal life? Do you intend with God's help from the counsel of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus' teaching and follow him as your Lord in the fellowship of his church? Then I have the joy and privilege of in encouraging your daughter to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, to be buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and to be raised to walk in newness of life. Go ahead. Yes.
mom. I'm going to speak Isaiah 61. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Thank you. All right, brother. You ready? I think so. How long you want me to hold you under? Okay. <laughs> Come on down. This is one of my favorite moments. Not because I get to put you underwater. No. <laughs> Rick, brother, do you repent of any known sin and rejoice? <laughs> rejoice. We do not rejoice. We renounce any unknown sin, promising that by God's grace you will continue in a life of repentance and faith toward God. Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the fulfillment of of all of God's promises to you, including eternal life? Do you intend with God's help from the counsel of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus' teaching and follow him as your Lord in the fellowship of his church? Then it is my joy and privilege as your brother in Christ, as your pastor and as your friend, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> yeah, brother. Is this your towel? Amen. Amen. All right, Teresa. Teresa, do you repent of any known sin and renounce any unknown sin, promising that by God's grace you will continue in a life of repentance and faith toward God? Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the fulfillment of all of God's promises to you, including eternal life? Do you intend with God's help from the counsel of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus' teaching and follow him as your Lord in the fellowship of his church? Then again, it is my joy and privilege as your brother in Christ, as your pastor and as your friend, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to be buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised to walk in newness of life with him. <laughs> yes. You did it. You did it. I help you.
Yes, yes. All right. Listen, this is so great. Immediate application of Christ's Great Commission. I just baptized Rick as a brother in Christ, and now he is going to turn around and baptize his granddaughter as a sister in Christ. Kristen, come on in here. Kristen, do you repent of any known sin and renounce any unknown sin, promising that by God's grace you will continue in a life of repentance and faith toward God? Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the fulfillment of all God's promises to you, including eternal life? Do you intend with God's help from the counsel of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus' teaching and follow him as your Lord in the fellowship of his church? then it is my privilege to give it over to my brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised to walk in newness of life. might hold you under the longest. <laughs> Charlie, do you repent of any known sin and renounce any unknown sin, promising that by God's grace you will continue in a life of repentance and faith toward God? Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the fulfillment of all of God's promises to you, including eternal life? Do you intend with God's help from the counsel of the Holy Spirit to obey Jesus' teaching and follow him as your Lord in the fellowship of his church. Amen. Buddy, it is... my absolute joy and privilege as your dad, as your pastor, as your friend, and as your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to be buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised to walk in newness of life. I love you, buddy. I don't even know what we're doing next. I do. Let's stand up and sing. You know what? I want to pray. You can stand up. It's okay. And they're going to go get changed, and we're going to sing one last song to worship our, our king. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you 
for the new life in Jesus Christ. Life forever, life eternal, real, true life. And we praise you for the testimonies of these five people. We praise you, God, uh, that, that what is true for them is true for us and for those that it has yet to be true for. I pray today is the last day that that is untrue for them and that today you bring more into your kingdom by uniting them to yourself in death and raising them to newness of life. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.